Good morning. So my name is Arv or Arvind, and I'm, I'll be uh, teaching today. I hope all of us are arrived and feeling welcome. And if you wish, in this moment before we begin our talk, you can take a moment to, uh, to either greet each other or something I always appreciate is just a few words posted in the chat or even said out loud that just uh, bring into the room just a couple of words about what's present for you. Appreciation. Mm. I'm feeling appreciation too. Morning, Peter. Grateful, grateful to be here. Colors outside, appreciating this gift. Gratitude. Ah. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Yes. Yeah. Feeling joy and calm. Mm. A lot of very positive notes, grateful. And I have to say, preparation for this talk is, is kind of a pleasure. <laughs> the talk on generosity, it, it brings, a, brings a lot of good things uh, to one state. So it does feel, I have gratitude for having prepared this, for the opportunity to prepare it. Lawrence says, gratitude for the time to turn inward in stillness yet connection. Tara says, light, Erica, grateful. Thomas, thanks for the guided meditation. Helped me rein in an active mind this morning, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that that's a sentiment that the active mind, I'm sure there are many of us here who feel that. All right, thanks everyone for bringing all of that into the room. And for those of us reading it, I think it's probably a shared experience that when we, when we hear and we feel into what other people are feeling, it, it does something to us. It's not always what we're feeling, um, but we get a sense of the room. And if we're in a space of connection, we can, we can feel to some degree the things that other people are feeling. Yeah. Okay. So my talk today is on dana, and I mentioned at the beginning it's it's part of uh, this is our first month talking about dana, sila, and pana, or uh, generosity, ethics or morality, and wisdom. And these being pillars of our practice, thinking of these as pillars of our practice. So I wanted to begin by talking about what true generosity may look like. It's giving, and we all uh, identify that with generosity. It's giving selflessly. Now, I'll come back to this notion over and over in the talk. But right now, just to put out that word, it's giving selflessly. 
It's giving without expectation. And I think this one is hard. So the most obvious form of expectation is, uh, you know, when you give to the grocery store or to amazon.com, you know, you, you get back something tangible like a, a tomato or a box that arrives at your door or whatever it is. And so clearly that's not generosity. Right? That's not the way we think of generosity. That's transactional. It's giving with a clear expectation of receiving. But then there are more subtle forms of expectation. When you give to a charity, do we really not have expectations? What if you didn't get a thank you email? What if you gave something that felt like a large amount for you and nobody said anything about it? You weren't told how it was being received or how it'd be used. How would you feel? We often want to be noticed, right? Not just with giving to a charity, but in anything we do. Something we do for a family member, a child, a partner, a friend. We, when we do something, we often want to be noticed. And that's, that's an expectation. Maybe even subtler. What if we identify when we give as being the helper? or the person who gives. You know, what, if, what if we have that identity about ourselves and we're saying, this is who I am, this is what I do, I give. So then there's something in it that isn't entirely selfless. There's a, there's a self, there's an identity that we're feeding or nurturing. This is tough, right? And this isn't to say that these forms of giving where there are some expectations, where there is some identity being nurtured or being you know, created or encouraged, this isn't to say that those forms of giving are bad. You know, I think in these practices, there are different scale, there, there are levels that are often identified, all of them being some form of good. You know, all of them being something that is giving. But when we, you know, when we look at these, when we look at the most true, true or pure form of generosity, and we hold it to this ideal of being selfless and without expectation, we can see just how fully generosity can express itself. Right? Just, how just how much there is to go sometimes in our own notions of what, where we're generous where they could be. It gives us something to, to, uh, to move towards, some kind of lighthouse to be paddling the boat towards. So when we're truly generous, uh, our happiness is derived from how lives are made better. So at first when I wrote that note, I wrote it as how the lives of others are made better. And then I changed it to how lives are made better. Because I mean to include our own. Some aspects of true generosity, you know, can be tainted with self or expectation. And as I mentioned, you know, that's not entirely without merit. 
But when we're truly generous, the happy, happiness we receive is, is very deep. And an easy contrast to make is the sort of happiness we receive when we have things or get things. Right? When we have or we receive, when the action is coming towards us, there's a certain loadedness to that happiness. James Barres describes it as a certain kind of loneliness or isolation, right? Maybe we can touch that, that feeling that when we're receiving and we're, or we're, we're getting for ourselves, we're, we're serving ourselves, there is an isolation in that. And there's also a way in which this can perpetuate a cycle of craving, right? We get, we, we get something for ourselves, we keep it for ourselves, and we want more. By contrast, when we share things, when we give, when we're generous, there's a sense of connection. We are, uh, we're tapping into a feeling of happiness at someone else's happiness. There's that sympathetic joy, that mudita, that can come from it. And another benefit is that rather than perpetuating craving, we are feeding our ability to let go. And yet another benefit is that generosity is contagious. So that has two sides to it, that there are two sides to that coin. One is that our capacity for generate or for having generosity is somewhat dependent on the culture that we're surrounded by. You know, when we're surrounded by other people being generous, when we're surrounded by examples of generosity, it's easier to be generous. And in cultures where the focus is on the collective, uh, people tend to give things more freely. On the other hand, if no one around us is being generous, that becomes the way that we are too. We, we see people keeping for themselves and we think, well, I've got to be taken care of. I need to keep for myself too. And we need to keep for ourselves. And it's a natural reaction. So I mentioned that a benefit of generosity is that it's contagious. And so in the context of this, this cultural description, if we align ourselves with a cultural norm of giving, we start to form that culture. We start to generate the motivation for others to do the same. You can think of this in relationships. You know, when we open ourselves to generosity, it can be reciprocated more easily, you know, and we can get out of cycles where we're, we're trying to get for ourselves and we're, we're feeling that the other person isn't supporting. We can, we can break those cycles with our own generosity. It's a radical act, um, but we can see that just in a two-person relationship. Imagine what it does in a whole society. Imagine how many people we impact when we're generous in a more public way and with a wider group of people. And as we draw the circle of people who we care about and whose joy we want to partake in, 
we want to be sympathetic to. As we draw that wider and wider, the ability for our own generosity to be contagious grows. So there's so much I want to say today, <laughs> but I want to focus this, I, I want to do, I want to do one thing, which is a very brief meditation, uh, just for a couple of minutes. Uh, I want to focus, I want to, I want to ask us to sit and focus on a person who's generous, and I'll guide that a little more. Uh, but before I begin, I want to mention that there are many kinds of generosities. As we think of a person to focus on, uh, we can think of many types. And Suze went over this in more detail uh, in her talk last week. But just to bring to mind that there is the giving away of things or money. That may be the most clearly understood form of generosity. There is kindness and compassion as a form of generosity. There is the sharing of wisdom or insight or knowledge as a form of generosity. And there is presence. There's being present for others. So with these in mind, just a couple of minutes, I'd like us to close our eyes. And I'll ring a bell at the beginning, one at the beginning and one at the end. giving away or sharing of things, of kindness, of compassion, of wisdom, of knowledge, and of presence, sharing our presence. The invitation is to bring to mind a person who is generous on one of these axes. Imagine the heart of such a person as they are being generous. To feel that generosity being received. How does it spread? Who do the recipients of that sharing, how do they feel like? To take a moment to honor this gift of a thing called generosity through the act of this person. Honor what it does to the heart of the person sharing, to honor what it does to the heart of the person receiving. 
to acknowledge the benefit, the generosity that arises in your own body. That, uh, that cultivate or increase our generosity. They also serve as a checklist of ways to tell when you're not in generosity. <laughs> Some of these things to cultivate or qualities of generosity are abundance rather than lack. Feeling of internal abundance Another thing to cultivate is gratitude. Internal supportedness. I'll say more about this later, just to put the word out there, the term. Internal supportedness. The ability to let go. Letting go in the sense of sharing here. and selflessness. So this selflessness, I mean in the sense of no self. I mean in the sense of not constricting our notion of who we are, of who we protect, of who we share love with and material things with, to a circle that just surrounds ourselves. I'm going to tell a story. Um, this is a very recent story of a conflict between me and my partner. I say recent, it's yesterday that this thing bubbled over. So the context is this. Um, uh, she's feeling overburdened. Um, she has had a huge amount of work to accomplish. Uh, she's a teacher. So there's always a huge amount of work to accomplish. And in addition to the amount that's normal, this is her first year at a new school. And also, um, they've been asked to write comments for each of the students. And so about 200 words for each of 60 students saying how they see them, um, how they've seen them so far. So it's been a month that she's been teaching. Some of the students, of course, come right out of the woodwork and you, you have a sense of who they are and you can write easily 200 words. But she wants to write really in earnest about each of the 60 students. And this is taking a long, long time because she wants to do it well. And so in this, in this context, you know, she's feeling overburdened and overwhelmed and has felt like the focus this weekend as we interact has, should be on her and her needs. Unfortunately, I came out of a week where I was also feeling overburdened. <laughs> and I was, you know, I felt like I, and I was 
trying to support her. And I felt like I needed her to acknowledge how much I was carrying and what I was doing uh, for her and, you know, all the things I was balancing in my life. So this is a setup for trouble, right? <laughs> you can see this, you know, I, we're both feeling this sort of sense of overburden and, you know, she's wanting her needs acknowledged and met. And I'm coming in feeling like, I'm doing all this stuff and look at me and I'm also balancing all of this and I want that to be acknowledged. So, you know, her feeling was that I wasn't doing enough. To, I heard from her that I wasn't doing enough to support her. And feeling the way I was before this, I felt very unappreciated. You know, I felt like the things I was doing weren't being seen and that, you know, did she notice how burdened I was in the midst of doing all these things that weren't being seen? And, you know, this becomes a vicious cycle. I, I, as much as I tried not to let this unappreciatedness come over, it was, it was obvious, you know, in the way that I was behaving and my acts. Um, and she picked it up and that increased her sense of not being supported. And that increased my sense of not being appreciated. And, you know, so on it went. So you can guess how well this went until we actually brought it up and discussed it. But I want to pause at this moment in the story and say, can, can you feel the lack in this story? The not abundance. And in, in my feeling of being underappreciated, can you feel the, the expectation? Right? We talked about generosity and how it, this really true form of generosity doesn't have an expectation. But I really did have an expectation. I really wanted this to be acknowledged. And to hear that, oh my goodness, not only is it, it's not enough, <laughs> whatever it's been, you know, that was hard. Um, so yeah, generosity, we, when we bring this back to the, you know, definition of generosity, there's some things we feel, you know, you can tie it to that this isn't generosity. Her not feeling supported was also exacerbating uh, that I took it personally, right? So I, I, as I thought about this, and I kind of was able to step back, we had a, you know, we had a conversation, it was a good conversation, I stepped back, and I think where I went next was, where is my lack coming from? And I think what I identified was a need to kind of protect myself, you know, and again, you can see the opposite of selflessness here, right? We talked about this characteristic of generosity being a kind of selflessness, and here I really felt like you know, there's a part of myself that needs protecting and it needs to take care of me. And to be taken care of, I need to be, you know, I, I need to be acknowledged for doing the things I'm doing. And yet I'm, I'm seeing clearly that there's a person who has needs at this moment, who also wants to be taken care of and isn't finding that what I'm doing is enough. So what, what can help here? And here are some things, here are some ways I've gone with it. So I'll just share with you my own process and bring up these things that I mentioned earlier, which other which I can which I derived from other teachers. So evoking gratitude, recognizing the things I have, all the supports in my life. When I feel this, I come, if I can, if I can get in touch with I can soften this feeling of needing for protection, of 
needing for things to be drawn towards me, needing to, to have a bubble around me that, that keeps these things that are mine. And there are many practices for evoking gratitude, right? We've talked about them in other circumstances, but we can just call to mind. One simple one is just calling to mind all the things that support us. Thinking of things we're gratitude, we're grateful for every day. In this moment, what are you grateful for, right? This is a practice evoking gratitude. Another is, is cultivating both no self and internal supportedness. I talked both about selflessness and no self, and also about what I mentioned, what I described as internal supportedness. So there's almost a paradox here, you know, in, in no self, we're, we're thinking of not having this, you know, ego-driven, ego in the sense of a small self-driven idea of ourselves. And in internal supportedness, we're thinking of being nurtured internally, feeling ourselves being nurtured. These both being prerequisites for giving in a selfless way, right? So when I say no self, I wanna clarify, there's no contradiction between these terms because I don't mean by no self, and it is not generally meant by no self, to ignore one's own needs. Rather, what we're talking about is not having this constructed, formed sense of identity that is just a circle drawn around ourselves. It's drawing this circle more widely, you know, to include ourselves and others, to include this body and also these other bodies and the circle of who we're trying to take care of. So there's a story that um, I, I used to work a lot in East Africa and Southern Africa. And in, in a specific culture I worked in, you know, when you greet someone and you say, and you know, how are you doing? The answer is we are well, or we are not well. And we are not well could mean my grandmother is sick. You know, it could mean someone, someone in the circle is not well. And if we are well, then the circle is well, right? And there is this idea inherent in that, that the self is not the circle drawn around our, the, just this body. It's a larger circle, it's a community. So there is, you can touch into that with this idea of no self. Internal supportedness, you know, so when I, when I, was, um, when I was preparing this talk, I, there was something nagging at me and that felt off when I was thinking about conceiving of generosity. And it's this, it's this. if you've ever been in a situation where you're giving to someone and it feels like the person is a bottomless pit of need, you know, I don't know if anyone has ever felt that situation or felt like you're constantly giving and nothing is coming back. I want to acknowledge that that's a real feeling and that while true generosity does not require recompense, after a while of giving to a bottomless pit that always needs more, you start to feel an imbalance 
you know, that something is unjust or un, that something is not right in this. And I, I think that the solution is that when we, when we talk about widening the circle, we must also include ourselves in the circle of whom we're generous to, right? If we're truly equanimous, if, if we're, tr you know, true no-self doesn't mean sacrificing ourselves. It means treating this body and all of these other bodies with a certain equanimity. You know, they must all be nourished, right? So if we, if we have this, if we have this internal, this is what I mean by internal supportedness and also no self, right? If all of these bodies, if we're being generous to all of us, what does that look like, right? Including ourselves and including the others. Okay. I think I'll stop here. <laughs> and move from here to breakout groups. It's funny, I, I took so many notes for this talk and I really had to cull. <laughs> it's, it's one of these topics where when you start talking about gratitude and no self and supportedness, I don't know, it, it just made, it made me feel so good and excited. I just, I just kept coming up with more and listening to more and reading more and it's just one of those. So at this moment, especially for those who are new, I'll describe what happens. Um, I'm going to create breakout groups uh, from this whole Zoom group, and we'll get into groups of three or four. And the goal is just to discuss in a smaller circle um, what's come up for you. And sometimes I give a prompt to focus the talk and I, I just have a feeling, and I'm just going to go with this instinct, that there's enough to talk about. This is something that uh, I think people can connect to, right? These feelings of selfishness or selflessness, these feelings of abundance or lack, these feelings of whether we're supported, whether we're being taken care of, and how, how we can share, how we can give and be generous in this true way. Where we're not, we're not with expectation. Right? I think there's a lot that that can evoke. So um, I'll divide us into groups now, and I want to acknowledge some people aren't. You know, I, I would encourage people to do. I think these groups can um, can be very meaningful, and a lot can come up. It can really solidify uh, these talks and really cement the feeling of the sangha. But also, it's not for everyone. So if anyone does want to step aside now. I'll make a little space for that with the knowledge that you can come back in 15 minutes at 11.15 and be part of the group discussion afterward. All right. Looks like we're back. So I wanted to open the floor for thoughts, comments, questions, any of the above, and I see Lauren, I see people are raising their hands, but just to let others know, especially those who are new, probably the best way to do this is to raise your hand, which involves clicking the button that says reactions and uh, clicking from there the raise hand button. And then we can go in order of people who have raised their hands. Um, but if you can't do that, um, or it's hard to do for some reason, you can always unmute yourself and, and or wave your hand and let yourself be known and we'll, we'll slot you in. 
So let's start with Lauren. Yeah, I thought I was behind on the conversation because you were talking when I came into the the meeting. So that's why I raised my hand. I thought I got to get into this. Um, but I just wanted to comment that I really, um, the brief meditation was really, I, I liked that because it really brought up something for me. And also your story of working out the um, the issues that were going on between you and your partner. Um, so I could have responded to a lot of things, but I found that I had enough just with the meditation because I realized that the first person that came to my mind was a friend who um, always asked me about myself, you know, and is curious about what's going on with me. And I tend to be more introverted and listen you know, so I often find myself with people that just go on and on and on and on. And, you know, I'm happy to listen. It's comfortable. And but it when it's turned around and someone really is interested about what is going on with me, I really, really appreciate it. And then I was looking at myself and my tendency to hold back and how Tim, our teacher, tells us to do, that's my default, mm. is so to go out more and that I have found that I, just like yesterday, I did reach out to someone in an email and I was thinking, oh, I'll do that later. No, that is not really going to matter. And then I did and it was so rewarding and I was so glad I did it that I just saw again an example that me offering myself more is a, a way of generosity I can develop. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, you're even you're reminding me of one thing. I'll reflect just very quickly. Um, that sort of generosity of presence, right? Um, the very first, one of the first meditation retreats I went to involved meditating outdoors in a space. And there was someone who came near the very beginning of our 40 minute meditation it was just kind of standing on the outside. And once the meditation ended, they came and thanked us. And they said that they, they described themselves as a steward of this space and described that by just being present here in this environment, we were blessing the natural environment. And it really, it really stuck with me. Um, they were full of this genuine gratitude. They'd waited 40 minutes to tell us this, <laughs> you know, for just having been present in their space. Anyway, just a small anecdote. Um, Julie. Hi there. Um, I just wanted to thank you for the talk and just to say that, uh, uh, my group had a nice conversation about a couple things that I wanted to point out. One was that, um, you know, the role of gratitude in all this. I really appreciate you bringing that up because it was kind of a question in my mind that I, I found it very, uh, a very powerful practice. And um, and I found myself wondering, like, where does it fall in? You know, because you don't hear it mentioned so much, you know, as much as the paramitas or anything else. And so I really appreciate you bringing that up. Um, 
And then the other thing that I just wanted to call out uh, that was also brought up was, you know, the the practice of being um, generous and kind to ourselves uh, and to recognize that, you know, in order to give, we have to, you know, be good ourselves too. So, um, and, and I appreciate, I know that you brought that up as well. So I just, again, wanted to thank you for the talk. It was really helpful and meaningful. I appreciate your highlighting those two points. I, I, they are important and I felt similarly that gratitude needed to come up at some point and that generosity to oneself needed to come up also. I, I, I personally find, you know, when I'm trying to make generosity my own practice, they just feel very necessary. So I appreciate your highlighting that. Nikhil or Lillian or both. Um, yeah, I really appreciate your whole talk, Arv. And I think there were two things that kind of, um, there are two things that in particular kind of stood out to me. One was, um, and this is kind of what I shared in the small groups of where your, your breakdown of the different types of generosity, um, something that that prompted me to think about was how, um, sometimes certain types of generosity are really easy for us and certain types are really hard. And sometimes I don't think we, at least for me, I don't identify um, the things that are easy as actually being generous and a kind of, you know, feeling that there needs to be this difficulty or friction in terms of what is, um, where generosity has to be. And I think maybe that sometimes causes us to overlook or causes me to overlook opportunities to be generous because I don't even necessarily view it as generosity, right? Yeah. Um, so trying to be open no, be more open to that. And then I think the other thing that um, that stood out was your your the story that you had about you and your partner both feeling underappreciated for the generosity that you um that you both felt that you were uh, providing. And um, it actually it it brought to mind. Um, I think it was a few months ago that um, Nana you had shared this a phrase uh, just like me. And that was something that really uh, kind of just like stuck with me. And um, this feels, I think, maybe another place just to apply that where, you know, at times when maybe I feel underappreciated or um, that maybe there's generosity that, that that applies in that moment to right where that it's what how, how might that be happening to the other person that I'm interacting with? Right. And um, where might I not be having gratitude for someone else's generosity towards me in a situation? So, uh, just, yeah. Thank you. Wow, there's a lot. There's a lot in there. Um, first, this point about these subtle things that we can do that matter so much, right? <laughs> that's that's so true. And you know, there's also the appreciating or really feeling when people. Are when, when people receive that generosity and communicate to us that it mattered to them, you know, I, sometimes I like that's something I that I and I think other people sometimes have trouble with is receiving um, some indicator that something you've done is good or helpful. It's like it feels like a compliment. Compliments can feel hard, right? Um, but there's that aspect of it, and there's also what you mentioned, which is just. You know, if we realize and we fully recognize how much seemingly small gestures like presence or presence uh, can make, 
we might do more of them, right? We might, we might prioritize those things. And then in the second thing you mentioned, right? <laughs> There's, um, th there is, the phrase just like me is so, is so perfect here. Um, it, you know, and in fact, even in this, this conflict that I'm describing with my partner, like at some point, you know, it really dawned on me that like, we're feeling very, very similar things to each other. You know, we're both, we're, you know, and if we could tap into our own pain of this experience in an empathetic way to say like, oh, this is bad. It must feel bad for the other person, you know, how much, how much would that have helped? Yeah, thank you. There's a lot in what you said. I appreciate that. Suze. I just wanted to share in my small, in our small group, we had several examples of the joy that we receive after we've made a generous offer. And that whole experience in some ways was surprising the depth of happiness that came back to us. Oh, wow. And, um, they were beautiful stories. So just wanted to throw that one in. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Yeah, 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 thank you. Thank you, I'm sure we can all use what you just said to imagine times and stories in our own lives when uh, something we've done has come back to us and we've recognized that it helped others, that joy. Thank you. Right, so let's, I want to move now so that we are mindful of the time we take. Let's end today with an offering of metta. I'll ring a bell just at the end. May our hearts be at ease. May we live with kindness and generosity in the midst of all that arises. May all beings live with ease and kindness and generosity. May the suffering of this world be met with compassion. for your presence, your generous presence today.